to just read a couple of verses, actually. If you turn to Genesis 1.26, that's the first book. Quite easy to find. No, you don't need to start at the back. Just past the index, that's it. Got it. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. And then a little bit of detail. We'll start reading in chapter 2, 19. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and, the, and all the birds of the air. And he brought them to the man to see what he, he would name them and whatever he called them, each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and birds of the air and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he, he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to him. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. I'm sure he said it like that. <laughs> she can't be called woman, for she has taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Then the serpent, the, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You'll not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, she and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Then they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, The woman you, get, you, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit of the, from the tree, and I, 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 I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you've done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heels. So to the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. 
To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat, eat your food until you return to the ground since, you were, since from it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must now be, not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he, after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, over, over the next few weeks, I want just to look at the, the place and the importance for the Christian of the presence of God. I don't know what the, the, the phrase presence of God conjures up in your mind, really. Is it something that's awesome? Something that's quite mysterious? Or something that's indescribably beautiful? I wonder. Something actually quite intimidating, maybe. Something terrible or beautiful. Or just home. I wonder how you conceive of the, of the presence of God. I want, I want us to consider it because actually as Christians, in order not to get into a rut, we have to learn how to know the presence of God and walk in the presence of God and maintain an awareness of God's presence. Actually fundamental. It's the key to spiritual freshness. And therefore, over a few weeks, I want to look at some Old Testament um, lessons about God's immediate presence and, and the response of faith and particularly worship and repentance and obedience and wonder that people found once they'd found God's presence. And uh, I, I want to begin, obviously, with how it was. Um, before there was any fly in the ointment, what, what it was like to know God's presence, right? Before Adam and Eve, or whether it was Eve and Adam, messed up, that when it was God and man as it was meant to be, when it was all good, all on track, when the full potential of God's presence was being enjoyed by this man, this pinnacle of creation, this one that God had made distinct from all the animal world, totally distinct. The, 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 the only creature he made with moral and spiritual sense. And then he took Eve from his side and uh, he enjoyed God. Great thought, isn't it? Enjoyed all that God made for him in this Eden. An open friendship. It's a paradise, I suppose, would be the best way to describe it. So that's, uh, let, let's consider for a minute before it all went wrong. Adam in the paradise of God. You see, it all, it all started with God talking it over. God had a talk with God. It's one of, Genesis 1.26 is, is a very, very important verse. 
Because if you have problems with Jehovah's Witnesses, just open at Genesis 1.26 and say, what do you make of that? Because actually what it says is that God talked with God in plurality. You see, he says, let us... Now, who is he talking to? Was he talking to the angels? Because if he was talking to the angels, he would say, let me make man in my image, right? If he was talking down, if you like. But he wasn't. He was talking in plurality within Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were enjoying a conversation. It was God. There's, there's clear plurality. The word Elohim means gods. It, it, there's, a, there's a whole sense of more than one in the Godhead. So that, that's good, isn't it? You can't wait for that man from the watchtower to ring your bell, can you? You're ready, okay? Enjoy it. But don't let him in. <laughs> and God was talking about it. And the, 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 they decided, that, let's make a man. Now that must have, uh, how long it took God to kind of, you know, want the idea, well, I can't talk in terms of like that, can you really, with God? But that, that he had no necessity. It wasn't as if God needed a man. Out of his free choice, just because he was God and thought, a man I will, we will make. But not out of necessity, but just for the sake of fellowship. God is a very, very sociable God. Isn't that lovely? Right? He didn't need to, but he, he, he decided to make creatures for his pleasure. That creatures that he could relate to, be kind to, be generous to, provide for. He, he, he decided to bring the likes of you and I, why or oh why? But he decided so he could love us. Think of that, right? God had a talk with God and decided that he would produce this simply so that he could express his heart. One of those great creative acts of God, I will make man. Brilliant, isn't it? What an insight into eternity. Psalm 100 and verse 3 says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us, and we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. He wanted a target for his love and care. So out of the dust, and with a bit of breath, he made man. And then he whisked a rib around and gave it a, you know, did a bit of moulding on it. Came out quite a little bit different. And there was Eve. Says that uh, in, um, in verse 8, uh, this is when things began to go wrong, but it says that he, that he went from the presence of the Lord. Uh, the word is the face of the Lord. And, and it says something about this relationship, about what was going on. Once Adam was made, you know, two questions jumped to my mind. How long was he just Adam? Millions of years? How long did Adam really just enjoy God? You know, walking around the garden, seeing how the carrots were growing. Because there's no flies, you see, terrible carrots in those days. And just enjoying the goodness of God. I don't know how long it went on for. I don't think it went on for very much long once, Adam, once Eve had arrived. But, you know, that, that how long? And... Uh, you know, what, what, when, when, when God was enjoying, when Adam was enjoying God, in this, this relationship, this friendship, this fellowship with God, just how God intended it to be. I wonder what they talked about. 
Well, we know some of the things he talked about because, uh, you know, at, that um, the Lord brought all the animals before him. I was listening to John Sheldon from Lincoln talking this, one of the funniest sermons I've ever heard. And he, he, in, a, in, in an act of drama that I could never repeat, he, 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 he showed Adam's mannerisms. He said, Adam was looking for a wife, and then the giraffe came, and the elephant came. No, it really just didn't, just didn't quite scratch where he itched, or whatever the phrase was. But there were conversations. I'm sure in terms of this whole caring for God's creation that God had a lot to say. Actually, from ecological terms, it's a great pity it wasn't written down. Don't you think? Some people feel that where man is to rule over God's creation, that means he can just plunder it. I'm sure God's intention for the way that man was to look after God's world, that there was no element of plunder and abuse in it. But think about that. It's right at the beginning of Genesis 1. I wonder what he talked about when Eve arrived. He must have had a lot to talk about. Yeah, well, what, there's a giraffe. What do you do with it? And then Eve arrived. So there, there must have been this relationship. The reason that I would say that the fall happened not long after Eve arrived was because, well, there are no children before the creation, before the fall. And I, 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 I find it quite difficult, actually, when God made man and women as they are, that uh, they would have gone on for a few thousand years, just Adam and Eve, wouldn't you think? Well, unless it's my sinful nature that's interpreting them wrongly, but we'll take that as said. Just a nice story? Oh, no, no, come on, let's... There are those, you see, and there are some Christians who, who, who try to make the case that the rest of the Bible is fine, but of course, Genesis, you don't believe, you don't believe in Adam and Eve, do you? Oh, no, 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 seriously. Do you believe in the flat earth as well? I remember one somebody saying that. I asked whether I was a member of the Flat Earth Society because I believed in Adam and Eve. No, no, no fair dues. No. Science has disproved it, hasn't it? No. <clears throat> How important is it that there was a historical Adam? Are we to sit comfortably with the idea? Well, he was a kind of representative of mankind. Will that do? Can you sit comfortably with that? That uh, Adam, well, he was the first man, but of course he had a dad and a mum. And that, that, you know, they they had mums and dads, mums and dads, and they they kind of merged out of a primeval swamp. Well, you see, if I was to believe that, I'd call my son a slime ball, wouldn't I? In fact, you'd all be slime balls. Think of that. If that's where you've come from, if, if that's your source and your root, that's all you are. Actually, when you read the New Testament, did you know in Luke chapter 3 that uh, Jesus' genealogy is traced all the way back to Adam? Without apology, specific reference. Let me, if you, if you have your Bible, turn to Romans 5. And see what Paul says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 14. He says this. You know what Romans is. 
Come on, Pauline. Oh, it's a new Bible, David. It's a new Bible. Pages stick together. Romans 5, verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as Adam did, who was the pattern of the one to come. Look at verse 18. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. You see, you can't have one without the other. The fall of Adam is as factual as the death and resurrection of Jesus. The person of Adam is as literal as the second Adam. I, I really find that if you take away the first chapter of the Bible, all the rest of it falls apart. There are other reasons, but I'll come to them. You see, it's essential to my understanding of Scripture... Now, all right, there are bits of it I don't understand. There are bits of it you don't understand. Sometimes it's very difficult, isn't it, to, under, to, to, to differentiate. Now, the, the writer here, is he writing as a kind of a news reporter, describing from his perspective what he saw, or is he, in part, using pictures, because what he saw is almost indescribable? You know, the that the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, how do you describe that in terms that succeeding generations can understand? So I, I'm quite happy to understand, to, to believe that parts of it is, is, is almost visual, pictorial in its description, but that it was describing a historical event is unavoidable unless you're going to get a pair of scissors to chapter on chapter that follows. But it's not only necessary to believe in a, in a literal Adam for the sake of the Scripture. It's also necessary in, a, in terms of understanding what salvation is all about. There was a historical fall. From that time on, your blood and mine was infected by this spiritual sin principle. From generation to generation, the spiritual genetics in all succeeding generations were polluted. So my children were not sinners, haven't kind of lied and stolen and been horrible, simply because they're children, but because of something they got from their mother. That's the problem. Do you understand? It, that, uh, did I say something? Uh, Oh, yes. Ever since Adam sinned, there has been a spiritual poison in humanity that explains what's happened in history since then. So salvation, a historical fall, a historical redemption, a historical second coming. That whole span of redemption. Otherwise, the gospel does not make sense. But it's also necessary, and I believe this is very important for us, for my sanity to believe that, that Adam was a historical figure. 
You see, the problem is that if I believe I am a slime ball or a, or a, a developed, sophisticated slime ball, you think I am? Do I look like one? Thank you, Des. <coughs> I'll behave like one. If we dehumanize man, man will behave in an inhuman way. With what we see in our day, and on our nation alone, the loss of a biblical perspective on the value of the human life is written right across it, and across Belgium. And the, 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 what a man thinks becomes what he is. And whether it's the, with the ease with which the unborn can be slaughtered in the womb. Why, why is that not a problem? Because that man has been lowered in our expectation to, to, to an animal, a sophisticated animal, to the prime animal, to the animal that ended up by a process as on top of the pile, but still an animal, still disposable. And actually the scriptures say something very different to that. It says that man is made in God's image. And if you destroy a life, you destroy something that reflects God. It's a very serious thing. It's something that grieves deeply the heart of God. That, and, well, we could have an excess. Think of the most undeserving person. You know, the, the scum of the earth, we might say. The, the dregs of society. In the dregs of society, there is one made in God's image, terribly marred. But we forget it, you see. We like the kind of Marks and Spencers people. You know, if they, if they smell like us, look like us, talk like us, they're okay. But let them smell of curry and they're not. You know the problem? I have those kind of problems. Oh, garlic. How can you possibly like somebody that reeks of garlic? Well, but the... You see, there's a message here in Genesis for us that says it doesn't matter what is color. It doesn't matter what is, what is culture. It doesn't matter what is religion in this sense. It doesn't matter where he's come from. He's, he's a descendant of one that God made in his own image. We must treat people with respect. Even if they're cutting on you on the motorway, we must treat people with respect. Even if she shortchanges you at the garage when, she, when you're buying your petrol, we treat people with... Why? Because actually, people are much, much more important than my dog. Important as my dog might be to me, people are much, much, much more important. That's the message here. I don't know what you feel when you see the new, on the news about Mother Teresa. I don't agree with her theologically. She's come out of a system which is spiritually off the wall. But what an impressive lover of people. I remember reading Malcolm Muggeridge's book, Something Beautiful for God. If you can read that without a lump in your throat, you're a strange human. Made for God. The headings on my page here are Made for God and Messed by Man. Not only a historical Adam, but a historical fall. You see, it's a great thing when you think about it that God 
made us for himself. I think, wasn't it Augustine who said, Thou hast made us for ourselves, and our souls are restless until we find our rest in thee. As another man put it, you know, within every one of us, there's a, there's a God-shaped blank. We were made for God. He made us designed to know him. We will be unfulfilled as long as we miss out on this relationship, this knowing, this place of worship, this enjoying God. We, we are actually designed for it. Now, you know as well as I know that in our modern age, there are lots of things that we can use for other purposes, can't we? You know, there's a, there's a bottle of water here where I could kick petrol in it, it'd probably melt it. Um, what else could you use it for? You could turn it upside down, cut the top off, make it a flower vase. But what else? Any other ideas? Any suggestions? What else could I use it for? A funnel, yes, I could top it off and I could get even more oil over my engine by trying to pour it into there. Yep, I could use it as a funnel. But you see, actually, it, what it was designed for is, is necessary to understand what it is and what it's to be used for. And you're like that. You're like that. There are lots of other purposes that we can put you to, but basically, you were made to know God, to worship him, and to enjoy God. That's why you were made. That, that, was, that was the brainwave that passed through the heart and the mind of God why he should make you for him. Now, whether it was an apple or not, doesn't actually say. There's a revelation from Sunday school. It may have been a pomegranate. We don't know. Well, pomegranates do look better than apples, I would have thought. Whether... It was a snake or not. Whether it had legs before it was bad or not. Whether all the animals of creation in a kind of Mary Poppins wonder world all talked as well. I, I suspect not. As one person put it, the snake was a tool for a more formidable rebel. And this temptation came. A reasonable temptation. Re quite reasonable. <laughs> you won't die. God won't mind. Temptation is always reasonable. It's always very attractive and desirable. And it always promises to enhance my life and give me something I didn't have before. Temptation is always attractive. Please don't get into, ever into the idea that sin is really, really horrible at the point of being tempted. At the point of, tempt of temptation, sin is wonderful. Wonderful. And whatever it was, let's say it was a pomegranate, the, the, the pomegranate looked absolutely wonderful. But Eve was flattered by this snake. I, I do think that Satan disguised himself as this being in order so that Eve would be flattered to think she was getting counsel from someone rather beneath her. Pride easily is flattered by that. And uh, the way that Eve, you know, just distorted what God had said. Oh, that, we're not to eat, we're not even to, it didn't say I hadn't got to touch it. So it's almost as if she could test it out. Well, we're not supposed to touch it, let's see if anything happens. Oh no, it must be all right, so I'll eat it. We, we, we try to move the goalpost to justify what's wrong. Well, I do, it's in my heart too. And it was, let's, let's, it was only a pomegranate. Well, it can't be all that serious, can it? 
You know, if she'd chopped Adam's head off, well, yeah, of course, that's sin, isn't it? You know, if she, if she hated her dad or, you know, some other sin, she'd had a job, but you know what I mean. That, but no, it was a simple prohibition. It, it was just almost a test case. You haven't got to eat it. So it doesn't actually matter whether I've broken one of the big rules or just taken and eaten a pomegranate. If God says no and I do it, it's sin. It's a breaking of the law. It's transgression. It's lawlessness. And this is the situation that developed. One commentator put it this way, just the magnitude of it. So simple an act, so hard the undoing. Think of that. So simple an act, what it cost to put it right. Think of that. So simple an act, so hard the undoing. Or again, their eyes were opened in a grotesque anticlimax. Have, oh, isn't it true? Have you ever sinned? And as soon as you did, you realized, boom, ugh, it was horrible. It didn't make you wiser. It didn't enrich you. It didn't give you anything that you promised. All it gave you was shame and guilt. True? Come on, nod your heads, be like donkeys. I've been there, you've been there. And, and once a man feels guilty, the ludicrous things that he does, and we all do it, fig leaves, for goodness sake, Am I really going to get away from the searching eyes of God by embroidering fig leaves? Doesn't guilt make me do strange things? And the way that they both tried to pass it off, well, you, 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 you put the woman here. You put her here. I was just the victim. Don't we? Don't we? It's called passing the buck. But don't we? Doesn't guilt and shame make me behave in a most perverse way? And never more so that in the relationship that Adam and Eve were to have in harmony under God's blessing. And within a few verses, we go from that to, to this verse. Speaking, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. The, the, the kind of movement from to love and to cherish to, de, to desire and to dominate. What the major shift that sin makes from one to the other, doesn't it? And a human behavior from that day on Sin produced to desire and dominate, and abuse, and crush, and man's inhumanity to man has run freely ever since. David, when he was confessing his sin before God and aware of his guilt, I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth and sinful from the time my mother conceived me. David, you are absolutely right. What, what, a, what a cataclysmic moment. The time the apple went, or the pomegranate, oh, what, 
all heaven must have shuddered, wouldn't it? Yeah? Imagine one simple act so hard the undoing. It's, it, it's so much like God, you see. Let's make man in our own image. Let, let's prepare an environment of paradise for fellowship, for worship, for enjoying God. Let's, let's make this place so that man and God can be together. And it all goes so horribly wrong. Man messed up. And then, actually, in a reference of judgment, that the first promise is there made. Between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head. And the, the, the first glimpse of the gospel comes within minutes of the awful event taking place. There are, there are several others. There's a, there's, a, there's a great verse which actually picks up the themes of this. In Romans in 16, um, where, got it here somewhere, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And it actually happened. You know, one came who bruised Satan's head. He, he was injured in the process. But the, the Saviour came, didn't he? Whether it's a picture or not, some people say you can't take it too far. But the, the, the Lord Jesus, the, the God, when Adam was to be expelled, made this provision for him and replaced the fig leaves with skins for covering. Now, in the Hebrew, the word covering and atonement are the same word. That God, as Adam was to be cast out of the presence of God, God made a covering for him that required blood to be shed in order for him to be covered. It's a, it's a lovely picture, if, if no more, for what was going to come. When the Lord Jesus took upon us all of the shame, upon himself, all of the shame, all of the guilt, took everything that so disgraced me and bore it in himself. The writer to the Hebrews, just as this is destined for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, that's what's described here. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, to, to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up through it, the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Hallelujah. Go on, say it. Hallelujah. Eh? See, all that went wrong in Adam was put right in Jesus. All that Adam ruined, Jesus restored and more. He has restored us back to the presence of God. He has brought us back, not for, to shame and, and, and guilt. He's brought us back to knowing Him. This is eternal life, Jesus said, John 17, that you might know the only true God. Isn't it? That's Paul. Oh, John 17? Got it somewhere. Eter that this is eternal life, that you may know the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've said. That we might know Him. That I might enjoy God. Well, the, the Westminster Catechism said, you know, what is the whole duty of man? 
to love God and to enjoy Him forever. That's going back to where Adam lost it. And you and I may find it. We are to enjoy God forever. We were made for that. Think of it. You might be absolutely naff for everything else, useless for everything else, hopeless, an absolute no-hoper for everything else, but you're brilliant at this. Sorry, Barbara, you happened to sit on the front row. Right? You were brilliant for this. You were made to adore and to enjoy God and to worship Him forever. I was made for that. It's good, isn't it? I might be a very poor driver and an awful husband and even worse preacher, but I, I, I've been designed, like that bottle for, for holding water, I've been designed to be a worshipper and to enjoy God and to know Him. Say it to yourself. Look at the person next to you. Designed for worship. Made. Go on, look at it. He's over there. Go on, don't let him be. Don't miss, don't miss him out. Made for the presence of God, to know Him. Praise God. Makes sense of you after all, I did wonder. To be comfortable in his presence without guilt and without shame. To be with him. To work. You get to revelation, it makes sense, doesn't it? Saw a great multitude. Yeah? To him who loved us and cleansed us from our sins in his own blood. Tell me something. I know paradise was lost, Milton put it. Has paradise been regained for you? Really? In knowing the presence of God, has Jesus brought you back to what you were made for? To be a worshipper, to know God, and to enjoy Him. That's the design. That's what it's all about. If, you, if, you, if you've taken the Saviour to be your own, if there's been a day when you've confessed your sin and acknowledged your need and given your life to the Lord Jesus to make you new again and to make you his own child, the day will come when you will be launched into a full-time career of knowing God, enjoying God and worshipping him. And the kingdom is not just then, the kingdom is now, it's among us. We will know, we will enjoy, we will enter, we will worship, we will adore, we will shout, we will sing. And what will be ultimately true then is also true now. Isn't that good? Isn't it? You know, sometimes at the end, in terms of response, you know, we say, well, pray for one another or come to the front and, you know, have somebody else pray for you. There's only one response appropriate this morning. If, if, you, if the Lord Jesus has come and, and, and made, your, made your heart alive again, if the Spirit of God lives in you, if the kingdom has come, if you realize that once you were lost but now you've been found, you have, been, you have come to this hour in order to know him and adore him and to worship him, it would seem utterly inappropriate to do anything else, wouldn't it? I want us to stand together. Let's stand. Let's pray before we sing a song of worship. We'll begin by singing, O Lord, you are my God. Where we'll go after that, I don't know. But uh, Lord, we, we do thank you for the truth of your word this morning, that you have made us to know you. Lord, some of us, it would almost as if we, we live on a wide orbit, 
that, Lord, we know that you're there, we've, we talk to you occasionally, but we, we're not really close enough to know you well. Lord, I ask you this morning that you will stir something in our hearts so that we will come near again and walk with you and know your presence. I thank you, Lord, that you have given this great privilege and delight to, to enjoy you. Lord, I pray for an appetite this morning for you that will stir by your spirit in our hearts that really will catch a, catch a light and, and begin to pulse within our being, a desire to know you and love you. And Lord, as worshippers, we, we are inadequate, Lord. We are self-conscious. We, we can so easily become preoccupied with expression and not what's going on inside. And we ask you, Lord, in these closing moments, you will give us a season of worship and of heaven and an experience of your presence. Come, Lord, lift my heart to praise you.